Hello, and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline, and I bring you stories from the airplane, from the flight attendants and the pilots, and from traveling around the world. This episode is called Profiling. Now, I know this is a touchy subject. I'll probably get some flack for it. A lot of people have very strong opinions about profiling. At the end of the episode, we'll have a whole segment on it. And uh, some people think that we should never profile. Other people think we're crazy if we don't profile. And uh, because the profiling deals with racial relations, the rest of the episode is all funny stories about people (laughs) making mistakes when they're uh, referring to different groups of people on the PA, misunderstandings about race, a bunch of funny stories. And at the end of the episode, we'll get to the profiling. So let's get profiling. Okay, so I'm actually at a book signing, and I'm talking to a former flight attendant for KLM, right? And then you had a story about the airplane? Yes. um, One of my flights, first class, serving uh, the first class passengers caviar. And the passenger asked, what's caviar? And I said, well, it's fish eggs. And he says, oh, that's wonderful. I'll have two. (laughs) So I put two eggs on his plate, and he had a hard time finding them. Pass out. Betty um, Thesky, who is actually not there, not her real name, is going to be talking about her new book called Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. It's a bunch of stories about air travel because she is a working flight attendant. That's why she doesn't use her real name because some of these stories they may give her, <laughs> they may pluck her wings if they knew. But it's a it's a very funny, uh, very funny book. It started as a podcast uh, and is now into a book. We'll talk with uh, Betty a little later on, and then. So I've been doing a lot of radio interviews, sometimes like three a week, and some of them go really well, and some of them are just disastrous. (laughs) I had a disastrous one just a couple days ago with Boston Radio Station, and basically the host and all the callers were wanting me to repent for the sins of the airline. (laughs) You know, it's like complaining to the teller that about the interest rates. I'm a flight attendant. I don't own an airline. So, but you know, I, I understand that some go well and some don't and some people are very angry. But the interesting thing about the radio interviews is that I live in an apartment building, an old apartment building. The walls are thin. The neighbors are right there. And some of these radio stations are like big times, like Mark and Brian. I don't want the neighbors yelling or slamming their door. Or there's someone... <laughs> running a lawnmower outside. So the soundproofing is an issue. I mean, I wish I had that, you know, egg crate thing you see on TV where, you know, the killer's got someone locked in the basement dungeon and he has it soundproofed. Well, you know, I, I don't, I'm not that tricked out. <laughs> so what I do, how silly and pathetic is this? So I take clothes, usually dirty clothes out of the hamper and put it around the windows and by the doors, <laughs> trying to keep out some of the noise. But I think someday someone's going to look up. I live on the second story. They're going to look up and go, why is there dirty clothes in the window? What's wrong with that person? <laughs> Actually, I was talking to Joe Dion from the Fly With Me podcast and videocast, and he said that he, when he does radio interviews, sometimes he'll go in the closet, which is great if you have like a walk-in closet, but since I have a little apartment, all my closets are full. There's no room for me in there. (laughs) I don't know what's worse, (laughs) me with my dirty clothes in the window or trying to get in a closet. (laughs) Life is just weird these days. Of 
Well, my story is an old story. Okay. So old, we were still flying 727s. Right. And I really remember the flight attendant because he was out of my training class. A great guy, always neatly groomed. But when we were boarding, we were on a 727, and the way first class is, there's like, what do you call that? Right, partition. The yeah. partition right by the... Um, after first class. Right after first class. And we're boarding, and Kurt was standing there right in the coach cabin. Yeah. There are passengers coming on board, and everyone can smell this odors. Oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. As everyone is boarding, it's kind of racist, you That's see? Okay. There's a, a very big black lady that okay. was boarded early, obviously, probably wheelchair, elderly, needed more assistance. And of course, everyone kept looking toward this lady, just assuming that it was, her. it was this lady. And so finally, she <laughs> said, uh-uh, uh-uh, it was him. I seen him tilt. <laughs> and Kurt, He's just so neatly groomed, just was beet red and had to leave the cabin. And I just, I always think of that story. I've seen him too. <laughs> so you know from listening to this podcast that I like to travel alone. Well, it took me many years to realize that I could travel alone and wasn't sure if I'd like it. And then it turns out that I love it. And our friends over at Indie Travel Podcast, they've come out with an ebook called The Art of Solo Travel, A Girl's Guide for Women Traveling Solo by Stephanie Lee. You know, it took me many, many years to get up the courage to travel alone. And this ebook is nice. It's kind of like a practical down to earth guide if you're considering traveling by yourself. And I recommend it to everyone. I'm going to put a link to their ebook on my website if you're interested. And it's at bettyinthesky.com. And there should be a link there for the art of solo travel ebook. Thanks. I had something happen the other day that scared me. <laughs> it was during boarding, you know, the bags are such a problem. I was out in the aisle helping people rearrange bags so we can put more bags up there. And this Asian man, I actually saw him. I was like halfway down the aisle. I think he was confused. I actually think he was trying to shut the overhead bin. But instead, he grabbed the handle for the remotely stowed raft, which is in the ceiling compartment, and starts pulling it down. He is pulling the raft out of the ceiling. That sucker is heavy. And, you know, <laughs> it could come down on people. I'm like, oh, my God. You know, like, you have to, when you throw it in the water, it inflates. I was just picturing it starting to inflate in the, in the, in the aisle with all the people. I come running up the aisle. I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Stop. And he's looking at me. He's got the thing like in his hands. It's like coming down. And I'm like, stop. And I think I'm scaring him because he's just looking. I think he was trying to shut the overhead bin, which is really strange because I don't know how... You could think that was the door to the overhead bin, but I came running up and I, I, I shoved it shut and all the passengers had these wide eyes because, you know, here I am yelling, stop, and here's this guy with this raft coming down over his head. But anyway, thank goodness I was not like in the galley doing something else when here he's taking the raft down from the ceiling. That was a first. Real, babe. And I see the world too. 
It was in the middle of the winter and we had a lot of first-class passengers coming on with their coat to hang up and we didn't have any coat tags. So I went into the jetway and I called up the control tower and I said, I need some coat tags. So they came along about five minutes later with a bunch of coat tags. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have another one about your accent? Uh, yes, I was uh, walking through the cabin when we were handing out the snacks, and I was saying, would you like any snacks? Would you like any snacks? And this man looked at me really strange, and he says, I thought you said would you like sex. <laughs> so just like earlier, the story with the guy taking the raft down, I was coming up... Uh, running up the aisle literally seems like the time slows down I'm like stop and I had another incident about a month ago and scared me boy um we had had a medical emergency so we were going to have paramedics meet the flight so the captain had already made a PA that when we got to the gate he wanted all the passengers to remain seated so the paramedics could come on board and take we had had a man that had a heart episode and they wanted to take him off first so the big fear we have as a flight attendant is blowing the slide blowing the slide raft at the door because it is a huge deal for us I mean you get in a lot of trouble you have to go back to training it costs like forty thousand dollars to repack that slide you know uh, the flight's usually delayed like three four hours I mean it's a huge ordeal that's why you always hear us on the PA say prepare your doors for arrival and cross check and the cross check is because the other person that's with you is also responsible for you so even if I don't pull aside if somebody else across from me does I have to go back to training and I'm in trouble too so it's a big effing deal you know, like not to blow a slide well this day when we had the medical emergency when we got to the gate our signal to make the PA, flight attendants, please pray doors for arrival and cross-check, is when the captain turns off the fastened seatbelt sign. It means we're at the gate. Well, he didn't do that because he did not want the passengers to get up. So I guess he thought he'd leave it on and wasn't thinking that that could cause a problem with the disarming the doors. So the agents, they knock on the door. We give a thumbs up and they open the door. Well, here the agent knocks on the door and the flight attendant gives him the thumbs up and right then and there time slowed down and I literally got up off my jump seat and went no and my hands coming up overhead and as I'm going no she looks at me her eyes go wide and then she realizes that she just gave the thumbs up and that door is still armed she goes Aah! and her hand gets to the disarming lever pulls it in and then seconds then of the agent opening the door and I literally was like oh my god that was too close but I literally I literally said no but luckily it was all all right but it was because it would have been understandable if we had had a problem because the captain hadn't turned off the fasten seatbelt sign, which is our indication to slam the doors. Anyway, thank goodness it was all fine. You know, everything was fine, but scared the Jesus out of me. Wait, call. Uh, make uh, makes a PA and calls the people from Ghana. What do you call people from Ghana? Ghanaians. Ghanaians. Call them Ghanaians. 
she called the people from Ghana, Ghana um, One passenger, we were doing the um, documentation to get into the United States, and this one flight attendant goes, and for, you, for those of you that are transients, into the United States, you will need a green form. <laughs> For the transients. This is about sometimes, you know, when you're deadheading or non revving and you've got some kind of like, some of the flight attendants are not quite up there. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of them was, it was very, um, it was getting to be turbulent. And I was a passenger, and all of a sudden, this one flight attendant went on the PA and she says, Flight attendants, you have two minutes to put your carts away. Put them away now. And all the passengers around me are like, oh, are we going to crash? <laughs> no, <laughs> it's just bumpy. Yeah, that's, that's probably not the best PA. No. So, this, so we used to make announcements about connecting cities and gate assignments. And if you're going to Corpus Crispy. <laughs> Wait, so this, there was a black girl named Chocolate, which is a little ironic, right? <laughs> so so what about Chocolate? She had a high, high voice, and we all knew her, and uh, I think she commuted from Dallas, but we were based in Salt Lake City, and Salt Lake City being the hub, we were all kind of getting used to that hub-and-spoke um, type of flying. So Chocolate gets on the, the PA, and, and with her sweet voice, I mean, it was so high, and she says, and welcome aboard the continuous flight. Continuous. Continuous. And we're like, what is she saying? The continuation, the continuation. Continuation. So every time I'd see around the airport, that's all I could think it's about. Like chocolate. <laughs> I love chocolate. She's still flying. Now, I sometimes cannot believe how nice and wonderful some people are. I mean, there's some really great people out there, and I think we hardly ever acknowledge that. I was doing a book signing in San Francisco, and Chris Christensen from the Amateur Traveler podcast, he also does the This Week in Travel, drove from San Jose. It's like a couple hours on a day off and parked at the airport. Who wants to go to the airport on a day off? And not only that, I had put out on Twitter I was going to be there. I don't really think anybody's going to show. And uh, I said the main terminal because that's what they told me. <laughs> but uh, the main terminal, I guess that's a little vague. He went to all four terminals looking for me just to say hello with his wife. I mean, I cannot believe how above and beyond nice that is. And, you know, the thing that's so wonderful about it is I do so much on the internet and on the computer and I've done two interviews with him but I've never seen him you know I it's strange this day and age how so much of our interaction is not face to face that it was really nice to see someone in person you know I never get to see the listeners either so uh thanks Chris that was uh really special whatever it is all right (laughs) I was a brand new flight attendant and that's when we had um, Ontario right. Airport, the old, old, old right. airport. And scheduling had given me directions to get there. So I'd gotten the photocopy right. directions, got off the freeway, and I was going up the street, and I was trying to get to the hotel that takes right. us over to the airport. And I felt like I was going further and further away from the airport. So that was before the days of cell phones. Right. So I pulled over, went to a pay phone, and I went, I feel like I'm going the wrong way. And I went, 
no, this is it, this is it, this is it. And I went, well, that's what I'm doing, but keep on going. So I went, okay, I'll keep on going. So I kept on going and I thought, this does not feel right. So I pulled over again, found another payphone, called the Red Lion, and I went, where are you? And he went, oh my gosh, you're totally going the opposite direction. you got to turn around and go back. So by that time, I'd killed about 30 minutes and I got to the hotel, parked my car, and I dashed in. I went, I need a ride. My flight leaves in 15 minutes. And that was in the days when you had over minimum crew. So they could go without me. But like I say, I was brand new, and I couldn't yeah. do that. So they went, you can walk to the airport you through can. the back. Yeah, but that's not but you that go, easy. No, well, exactly. <laughs> so I'm around the back of the hotel. Like, well, I, I couldn't even find the gate to go out. And I'm like, where the heck? Do I go? So this cowboy in this truck with this German shepherd, he's looking at me and he went, do you need a ride to the airport? And I said, yes. <laughs> and I got in the air. So basically I, you hitched a ride. I hitched a ride with a stranger. But you know, it isn't easy. You had to go over train tracks and yeah. stuff. I, you probably would have gotten lost trying to get to yeah. the airport. And I, and I made it like two minutes before the departure. <laughs> and that was when the you could just go through security and right. I dashed right up the gate. <laughs> And then got on the airplane about two minutes before the door closed. So I got to Dallas. And the first thing, because I'm still yeah. nervous, you know, and I called schedule and I went, am I going to get a late call? Because <laughs> I was lost and had to hit your eye door. I know. She says, heavens no. So there was a fun, at least it was fun for me, poll on the internet this past month about the amazing race. Basically, this guy was saying, how wouldn't it be interesting if they had experienced travelers competing on the amazing race? And he made up a list of all these different travel people, people who have blogs, Pauline Fromer, famous people like Richard Branson, and he put teams together and then he asked people to vote. Now, I know the guy was just trying to get traffic to his site and trying to generate interest because then he sent to each of the people we put on the list you know a link so then we would send it out to our people it's basically bait but you know what I I don't care what it was because it was vindicating for me (laughs) I really enjoyed it first of all just to be thought of to be put on the list was very flattering to me I mean hey I made the list woohoo and a lot of people voted for me I did really well on the list, which was fun. And the thing that was especially gratifying is I had tried to get on The Amazing Race and had gotten pretty gosh darn far, so much so that I had did the physical and filled out mountains of paperwork and was pretty sure I was going to be on The Amazing Race, <laughs> only to be dismissed. So I probably shouldn't even be speaking of this, talking about all that paperwork. Um, was a couple years ago now. Anyway, but... I did not get on The Amazing Race, and it was disappointing. And to have, years later, a bunch of people say how good I would be on The Amazing Race, that was really nice. So thanks for anyone who voted. Okay, so we know what certain cultures drink on the beverage cart. Like, you can almost guess what they're going to drink, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so if it's a black person, what do you guess they'll drink? Well, it used to be in first class, they would ask for Colossier. Oh, yeah, but you have Colossier. But we don't have that anymore. That was a big one. Um, Colossier and Coke, can you ever imagine? Um, Now I found out it's a lot of cranberry juice, although it's it's cran apple. And then doing the coffee service, they don't want coffee, they want sugar. (laughs) 
a lot of I think sugar. Six sugars. Yes, with a small little styrofoam of okay. coffee. And then the Asian person, what do they usually drink? Um, generally, water, juice, juice. juice. But I will say that it will only be maybe that one drink for the entire flight. Yeah. Uh, Asian people just don't consume a lot of liquids. No, so we, it's weird how we know what they're gonna drink. It's not really um, stereotyping. It's just no. it's what it's historical knowledge. <laughs> well, also though, in no. different regions, yeah. because in California, when you're doing the West Coast, yeah. you're gonna get a lot of Diet, Diet Coke. Coke. Yeah, and then you go back east, and or I should say, really the South. The South wants the sugar. Yes. Definitely, and, then, and, and a lot of iced teas, a lot of iced teas, which we don't have iced teas. And then in the northeast, they like tonic. Tonic, yes, yeah. that's a good one. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah, they want pop. So, but let me ask you. So, if, when it's a black person and coach in your beverage cart, what do you think they're going to order to drink? The cranberry. <laughs> And they'll be asked me like, she say, she wants some sugar. I said, how many sugar your coffee? I want 10. Yeah, if you're on a beverage cart, are there certain people you can tell what they're gonna drink? Absolutely. Okay, so how about a couple ethnicities, like uh, black people, what do you think they'll drink? It's not so much the color or of the behavior, the uh, demeanor of the person. Okay. Okay. For example, a lady comes in, she's all decked out from head to toe, and she just thinks she has it all together. Yeah. She sits down in her seat very smugly, and I know she's going to want her sparkling water with a lime. <laughs> How about any like ethnicities like um, Asians? What do you think they would drink? They're probably going to have orange juice. Yes. And um, if they're not so much Asians, but it, more in Europe, yeah. more than likely you want to ask them if they want ice nice. or no ice, because I can pretty well guarantee it's going to be a no ice. Yes. yes. I can always tell who gets no ice. It's an accent, no ice. Right. <laughs> right. Okay, so like a Hispanic person, what do you think they're going to order? They're going to order Coke with no ice and some they call manzana or oh, another word is apple juice yes. no ice no ice apple juice no ice no. Lunch and, and we serve them meals they want everything what we have but they don't want to eat american meals they just want their own tortillas and flight <laughs> okay so when you're on the beverage cart yes. and you run into certain ethnicities hot tea hot tea will be the Koreans or Chinese, <laughs> Lord Christ's sake, it's all about hot tea. If I come across an Asian person, I know I'm going to go get a hot tea right away. That's for sure. And you're Asian. Exactly. <laughs> no, not really. Only by height. <laughs> okay, and what about other ethnicities? Do you notice they drink certain things also? Yes. Most black folks drink cranapple juice, ginger ale, and then... What about Hispanic? Coca. Yeah. All coca. Almost coca wasuka. <laughs> so what? You actually thought I was going to talk about profiling terrorists and terrorism? Oh, I'm crazy, but I'm not that crazy. <laughs> I'm not getting into that serious subject.
<laughs> but I, I'll probably still catch some flack for the profiling of the beverages on the beverage cart. <laughs> so if I'm going to get flack for that, I'm certainly not going into the profiling for the terrorism. <laughs> Well, that's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel the world together. Thanks. Bye. Bye.